Welcome to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. I'm your host, Sadia. This is my mother, Ima. Hey, Ima. Hi, I'm looking at my shadle here. Ooh. Ah. Thought I would have keep my shadle on the presentation. You're looking great. Um, Thank you. All right, so we were talking about this earlier. Well, she has about, my double chin. You get, you get, just get a it chin tuck, Ima. Yeah, yeah, get a chin tuck. Yeah. You've been talking about a chin tuck for years. Um. So we were talking about uh, gut feelings and when you followed your talking gut. About, talking about guts, yeah, I could use a, yeah. I could say, um, what's that called, liposuction too. For sure. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think that stuff like really works because like you get rid of it, but you don't create healthy habits. You wind up back to square one, you know what I mean? Uh, it's like winning the lottery. They say like people who win the lottery go back to the, where they, financial position where they were. Like it takes a while, but they're back to where they started. It really didn't do any, do that much. Well, you know um, what I would do if I won the lottery? You know what I would do with that money? Cocaine? No. Donations to obviously stroll. Getting close. Yeah, I know, I know. Um, so your brother, your brother's Chabad house in Cuervales. Yeah, for sure. House. Um, so we're talking about going by your gut and you were telling me some stories about you had the gut feeling when you were younger about certain things and how it worked out for you. Do you care to explain? See, gut feelings, gut feelings, gut feelings. Um, yeah, yeah, cat. What do you think about that? Excuse me, cat. Yeah. Push out of my face. Thank you, cat. Oh, God. Why do cats do that? They stick their tush in your face. I think it's actually because when they were younger, they were, they were kittens. Um, it was their their mother would lick their touch so in order to get them to, you know, like use the bathroom. So now it's like an instinctual thing when they think that you're their mother now. <laughs> Great. Yeah, people always would call me caddy. Uh-huh. <laughs> waka 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 waka. Um, um well there was um there was a time one time when I was in seventh grade, there were a series of plane crashes. Yeah. And I noticed listening to the news that almost every single plane crash seemed to involve a Boeing 707. Okay. So I went to the office, you know, being 13 years old, very idealistic, and I pointed this out to them, and I said that, could they please send out notices to the parents that if anyone's planning a trip, make sure you do not travel on a Boeing 707, because something seems to be wrong with these planes. And, of course, a little 13-year-old girl coming to the office, and, of course, the secretary had a good laugh about it and oh isn't she cute and don't worry i'm sure everything will be okay and then 20 years later i pick up a magazine and i'm reading yes they did an investigation of the boeing 707s around that time and they found out yes there was a major defect in the boeing 707s i mean what what what, my question is what is it that a 13 year old kid who has no experience in any type of um area um it was an aeronautic engineering. How was a 13-year-old girl able to figure out something that the engineers weren't? They probably did. They just don't want to get sued and kept it under the wraps. Could be. or maybe That's what happens a lot of times. Cost, it, would have cost, it would have cost them too much money to, um, what's it called, to ground, the, to ground the whole fleet. I mean, you have a buttload of airplanes you're going to have to ground. I mean, I think there was an issue when there was a couple of Boeing 737s, actually, that were were malfunctioning and having issues. And I think they had, they really had to get into like 
research and they had to really figure out what was going on. And it turns out that there were some issues with the planes and that Boeing was just hiding the fact because they didn't want to pay the fees and all that stuff. So it's like, I think a lot of times people know what's going on. They just play dumb, hoping they'll sweep it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Well, if, uh, time, you know, time and history has found that um, it, it catches up to you anyway. You're not saving any money. Oh, yeah. Uh, it, it does catch up to you eventually in lawsuits. And as we see, um, you know, we see in a lot of other. It's a lot of other it, stuff that there's I always get, something I get constant. controversial about. Would you want me getting caught? No, please, Emma, full of God. I will stop this show right now and we will just start uh, from scratch again. Please, full of God, stop I'm it now. I'm not going to get controversial. Thank you. Don't please worry. don't. don't full worry. of God, please, well, no. Calm down. Oh, my God. Calm down, buddy. I've already had to burn a couple other episodes in general, but like, it is what it is. Um, so, take, what's, what's, the, what, what's, that, what's that drug that calms people down? You know, don't take, start telling. Take your valiant. Don't start down. gaslighting me and telling me that I'm the problem when you were the one that started this whole thing. You're on record right now, and I can get millions of people to agree with me. So, no, okay. we aren't getting controversial. Please don't. There have been multiple times I've asked you not to, and you did. You have not listened to me and done it anyways. So I'm asking you nicely now, politely. Can you please stop doing that? I will not get controversial. Don't worry. Thank you. How Thank can you, you talk that way to your poor See, widow? This mother? is gaslighting right here. <laughs> this is the bull that I had to deal with growing up. How I had problems and issues, and you kind of made it seem as if I it was my fault and my problem to deal with when really you were the one that was started this whole thing. Oh my god. Um <laughs> I all I wanted to talk about was like, I don't know, you ever had like a hunch when you were younger or like a gut feeling, you know, like I had a gut feeling when I was younger that I was gonna have a son like you someday. What, someone's smart and dignified? Yeah, yeah, you're lucky. <laughs> you're freaking lucky. You know the Jewish mother's curse? Come on, maybe you have kids like yourself, so you'll see what, what kind of a kid you were. You see That's like everyone. Kids. That's not a Jewish thing. That's not a Jewish thing, by the I way. Thought it was a, I thought it was the Jewish mother's curse. No, Ima. No, no, Ima. That's an every person thing psychologically because you basically didn't resolve your issues. You didn't go to therapy, so you wind up having confronting it by seeing it in your children. That's the answer. I did go to therapy. Yeah, and you didn't want to, and you got mad about it, and you called it no, bullshit, I got, I and then I went to therapy. Believe me, I went to therapy quite a few times. Quite a few. Okay, how long? For how many years? My time on the for couch. how many years did you go to ther- therapy? Well, when I was in, I went to, all throughout college. I was going for therapy. How many times a week? Uh, how many times a month? For about you know, once, once, once a week. Once a week. Like, okay, for like, what? For week, three yeah. years straight. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. And then um, later on, um, I went back to therapy when I was in my 30s okay. for a couple of years. Right. And yeah. when I came to the point um, after a number of years going to therapy, I said, you know what? I said, if I have free time, instead of going to therapy, I'm going to use that free time to go swimming, to take a walk, to play piano, play violin, just, you know, just to do things that I find fun and interesting. And I discovered that that was therapy in itself. Not, not, nothing against any therapist, please. I mean, um, your my, your aunt, your aunt is a therapist, and she's a good one too. So, uh, yeah. But what what I was saying is, is that it's a real journey, and you you have to do a lot of work. I mean, decompressing and having a hobby isn't necessarily looking at yourself in the mirror and realizing who you are and what you should be doing and how to change habits and work on yourself. You know, it's 
that I mean, like we're, we're veering off a topic here, but I think that's the charm of our podcast. Um, but yeah, the, right. the the whole point is to realize, like, you never stop therapy. You just kind of like continue doing it until you're dead almost because you need to constantly in my opinion for what, what i've experienced that you're 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 in a, a constant pit of digging yourself out of generational trauma that you've developed and generational traumatic habits that you developed that you're trying to break out of and it's not a one fix all it's just more like a constant you know being in this notion of trying to separate your negative habits and focus on your positive habits and whatnot. Um, yeah, one of the habits I'm trying to break out of is getting into fights with you. You don't have to get so defensive when I'm trying to have a conversation with you, Ima. I, I'm being honest. Yes, you're honestly being defensive. You're right. Um, so what about when you're maybe, I guess, a teenager? Did you have any stories of you had some gut feelings about people or situations and you were luckily saved by your gut feeling? Well, um, there was one time I was waiting for a bus mm -hmm. and um, this man pulls up in a car and he offered me a ride. And he, the, th the situation was very, he did not, the man did not match the car. The man looked very scuzzy and the car he was driving was a very high end car. In other words, the guy driving the car did not like look like he matched the car. And of course I told him no. And he said, oh, come on, I'm just trying to be nice. I'm offering you a ride. And I just said, no. And then he drove away. So the people standing around me said to me, you know, um, said to me, said to me, um, young lady, that was a very smart thing to do. So later on, I came home and I told my mother about the incident. And she asked me what time that was. I told her the time and um, the location. And she said it was right around that time they had on the news that a car had been stolen right at that, right around that neighborhood, right at that time. Wow. How old were you when this happened? I was about uh, 17. Oh, 17. Yeah, I was like 17. Yeah, I was waiting for, actually, I was, I was going to, I was taking a bus downtown for my voice exam at Peabody. Oh, wow. School. Yeah. Wow. What about like when you were, I guess, Maybe hang out with your friends and your friends want to do something crazy and stupid. And you're like, this seems like a bad idea. We probably shouldn't do it. Or you didn't listen to your gut at the time. Do, 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 do. Um, this, it's not quite that I didn't listen to my gut. What happened was I um, was hanging around with, you know, a group of friends in college for a couple of years. And we always did all these things together. And then they started to talk about these parties that they were going to in Washington. And I was a little upset. I said, wait a minute. I said, why, you know, we've, I thought, you know, we were all friends and why didn't you invite me to come along with you to these parties? And one of my friends just said to me, don't worry about it. I said, yeah, you, this, I said, yes. I said, you to tell me, don't worry about it. I said, you guys went to these parties and had a great time. And and I'm sitting at home doing nothing. I said, and so he said, believe me, he says, take my word for it. Don't worry about it. I found out later these parties were really uh, drugs, sex, perverted sex, really just the nasty worst stuff. Mm, nasty terrible. stuff, man. Just it was terrible. terrible, man. With these I know, I'm, and I agree with you. I agree with you. It was terrible. Yeah, you agree with me. Yeah. Now, now who's arguing? <laughs> 
<laughs> so what other things did you do in college that wasn't, you know, group sex and drugs? No, that's that's you were talking about. You said you didn't didn't yeah, do those I, things. But I wasn't no one. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, um, you know. Um let me see. Not too Oh uh, yeah, not not really wild what stuff. Um it was okay, you know, um of course the underage drinking, of course, you know, getting having having friends like one friend that um one boyfriend. In fact, I wasn't even in college, I was like sixteen years old took me to this bar in downtown Baltimore and I saw him um, slip the bounce, slip the, you know, the guy at the door, the bouncer who was checking IDs. I saw him slip him a 20. Oh, wow. And the guy let me in. And then, and then didn't he try to give you, we we talked about this. Like he tried to give you like a heavier drink and you like watered it down or something like that. And like he was trying to think he's going to get lucky and you're like totally sober. And he was like totally (laughs) like annoyed and disappointed. She's Louise. Okay. Did you guys ever play like have any poker games or any other card games you would play together and whatnot? Um, I wasn't much of a card person. I like chess. I still do. I'm still <laughs> not much of a. I don't. I don't. I'm not much of a mahjong person. I'm not much of a card person. But I enjoy playing chess. I'm lousy at the game. Hmm. The only people. The only people I can beat are eight year old kids. <laughs> yeah. My eight. My eight and nine. Maybe uh, my twelve year old grandchildren. You know, that's about it. But um, you know, of course, your brother, he was eight years old, beat me in two moves. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I if, even though even though I'm a, I'm a lousy player, I, I I just enjoy it. I enjoy sitting in a chess game with say a, a cup of tea or something, like on a Friday night. So who would you play chess with in college? Um, you know, just friends, different friends. You know, get go over somebody's house. And they were having a party, and people were playing different like card games and things. And uh, one person took put took out the a chess game, and I sat down to play chess with this this guy. I always think I played chess with his brother, and his brother was totally high on marijuana and beat me. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh! <laughs> uh, so I mean, I went I went to marijuana parties, but I didn't inhale. Yeah. <laughs> Did you? So. <laughs> I guess in the seventies was it was an interesting moment because oh, that's when there was one incident though that my voice teacher was a little upset about. Yeah. What happened was this friend of mine, um, it he was well actually he became he was a he was the choir director at the church where I you know I sang, and um, he uh, used to like to go around to like these he would hear about these like old churches that were being either knocked down or renovated, or they were, you know, they had old artifacts that, you know, people could come and take that were being basically, you know, uh, you know, like um, property that was being bought up. But like your father did that. Remember when, when yeah, property was bought up by the state do, yeah. and there's no, there's no owner that comes forward and says that they want to take any of the property inside. You were allowed, it's, it's open to the public and you're allowed to take what you want. Yeah. So remember, your father would often brought home like you know very like old things that he was permitted to take. Correct. So um, it, so my, this friend of mine, in fact, as a matter of fact, he got this old harmonium. You know how harmonium is? No. Look it up sometime. It's it looks like a very small organ, very okay. very small. I guess you would call it a very small organ. And you pump. You they had these pedals that you pump, 
And it works on the same um, principle as a wind organ. There was an organ that you know you pump the billows. Oh, I the see. Air blows through it, and, right? Only it looks like a small, looks like a small piano with pedals. It's called a harmonium. And yeah. as a matter of fact, I there are some old movies from the twenties and thirties that show people playing harmonium, especially during the thirties. That will show people out in the country playing a harmonium, particularly women playing har playing a harmonium. Was it a was it a woman's instrument? I don't know if it was a woman's instrument or not, but the two movies I saw <clears throat> where somebody was playing it, in both movies it was women who were playing it. Oh wow! One was a, one was a school teacher in one movie, and the other one was just you know just a girl who was playing it to accompany somebody who was singing. Um, so he got a harmonium. He also got a um a priest's cap and um cap Down? and cape. Oh wow! So we were going that night to a concert at Towson. And he said, Hey, he says, you want to wear this to the want to wear this? I said, yeah, I, I put it <laughs> on. I thought it was cool. And I put it on and I wore it to the concert. Now my voice teacher was not Catholic. She was Protestant. Yeah. Okay. But when she saw me wearing it, the, at my voice, when the next time I came to my voice lesson, she told me it upset her. Really? And I said, I said, why? She goes, because it, to her, it was like, um, sacred clothing. Interesting. That you just don't wear like that. No, I get that. I get that. I mean, it drives up the wall when I see like, there's this one rapper dude who's like, I, I can appreciate what he's trying to do. He's trying to promote Judaism. And some of his rap videos, he was wearing, he's wearing tefillin. But I found it frustrating because he was wearing tefillin and it was a cloudy day and it looked like it was raining. And I'm like, you don't mm. wear tefillin in the rain. And mm -hmm. this isn't some get up. Like, I see what he's trying to do. He's mm -hmm. trying to make it, like, cool and hip. But, like, I don't, first of all, I don't believe Judaism should be cool and hip. I don't think. Was, was he making an artistic statement, maybe? Yes. Yes, he was. Mm -hmm. He was making an artistic well, maybe, statement. Maybe, was it really rain, rain, or was it just simulated? No, 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 no. He was, he was in New York City, I think, at the marathon where it was pouring down rain. And Ooh. he was doing some kind of rap video thing in Tefillin. Mm, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. dude, like, I, I get your point. He's trying to be like pro-religious, pro-Judaism, but like he doesn't understand the halachas and the nuances. And I think that's mm -hmm. what happens a lot of times where like I'm on these various like forums, like, and I see people who are really passionate about Judaism, really care about Judaism, and they want to serve Hashem and do Torah mitzvot, but they don't know exactly how to do it and when they do things it's like like it comes off really really sacrilegious and I'm I like I mm -hmm. go ahead no i i, I I'm, I'm almost done but i just rather i i would like to know mm -hmm. what you had to say well there was i remember um now that you bring this to mind um after leonard nimoy passed away evidently he had he was also a um artist in the area of photography mm -hmm. and he had some photographs like artistic photographs that he took which i was not happy about as an orthodox jew he had a girl who was like i guess a, a practically nude who was posing in a talus mm. uh, i was not too happy when i saw these photographs that he took yeah, I 
I, I know could... he was trying to make an artistic statement, but yeah, I see. Stuff, I'm looking at these know. photos now. I see what it is. Mm -hmm. It's like I see what you're trying to do, but you're really not helping. It doesn't yeah. like it's it's very frustrating because it's like you don't want to discourage them. You don't want to tell them that they're like, you know, heathens and doing terrible things because it's like, first off, that's never the right thing to say. And also that they're not getting it like their hearts in the right place. But it's like, like, I just saw there's a picture of a woman who's naked wearing a uh, a, a, a very thinly veiled um, uh, robe and she's wearing tefillin, a hand tefillin. Mm. And I'm like, dude, no, stop. I mean, yeah. in sexuality and Judaism is beautiful and amazing, and it's supposed to be part of your life, and it's to be able to bring children in this world. But it's it's really about the the beauty of the privacy of it all, and to show it mm. off like that kind of destroys anything you were trying to do, you know. Mm -hmm. And it's like I think Manus Friedman had this whole thing about like doesn't anybody blush, you know, kind of concept of like, we're too mm. open nowadays and there's no, there, there's no interest. <laughs> there's no, like there's such desensitized people. Like um, I was listening to this one podcast and they were talking about how like in the early 1900s, like they would just get off by listening to a woman sing on a piano, you know? And like nowadays we're so exposed to so many different like, photos and videos that like it's nearly it's almost like i i'm desensitized to a woman singing i really am it's just like okay whatever it, it it's not i like i get the colicia thing i understand the importance of it all i'm just saying that the sensitivity that it, that it has to me is a lot lower than it would be to someone who you know is more medoctic i would say but that's the whole point it, it's just like there's a lot of there's a lot of beauty in the re in the resistance and in the restrictions of Judaism. I feel, um, and I think some people don't get that. I think they feel like as if they don't want to be told what to do, kind of attitude, and mm -hmm. that's not really what Judaism is. We're not trying to tell you what to do. We're just saying this is what to be done. You know, it's like going ahead and saying, well. In order for that switch to work, that electrical wire has to go to A, and that electrical wire has to go to B. And you're like, mm -hmm. you can't tell me what to do. I'll do whatever I want. <laughs> you, you can do whatever you want, but well, that electrical but, wire but that will electrical not wire work. Goes to the wrong oh, place. You exactly. Yes, you like it's, you it's a real problem. It's like you can do whatever you want. Fine, you have you have your rights, but also understand, like Moshe Emes Visarasa Emes, that like Moses is is the truth and. And God is the truth. So no matter how hard you try, the truth will always going to be at the end. So do you want to find the truth at the end of your life or find the truth at the beginning or middle? And that's really what it is. It's like, I, you know, you, you can go ahead and, and start asking, well, can a woman wear a yarmulke? Like, there, there are some nuances and maybe on some level they shouldn't because it's a man's garment. But why worry about wearing a yarmulke when you could just... Like, if you really want to cover your hair, wear a tichel or mm -hmm. wear wear a hat or wear a shaitel. Like, why are you talking about a yarmulke? You know, like, mm -hmm. like you're just kind of like you, you missed the boat on. What... Like, I'm, yeah, Madam Spin was talking about this once with, you know, um, when I went to Minnesota, the idea of women's rights in the early 70s 
mm-hmm. was really coming to the forefront, and especially in Judaism. And you, you know, and he said uh, these women who, um, instead of keeping the mitzvahs like Shabbos, Kashrus, and Taras Mishpacha, which is not just not only a woman's mitzvah, but these are the real meat of Judaism. They want to be caught up to the Torah. They want to put on the film. They want to be included in the million. And Samantha Friedman said, what you have to ask yourself, am I looking for an emotional experience or am I looking for a religious experience? And if you're going to look for a religious experience, the only way to get a religious experience is to follow the is to follow the religion, it the, the religion itself. Otherwise, you know, what are you doing? You're just kind of feeding your own ego. Yeah. You're not really getting the actual religious experiment, experience, but experience that's being made available to you. And it's also like in um, you know, Judaism too. Um, as I heard, the funny thing was it was the cantor of this reformed temple that I used to where I used to teach. And we probably went over our broadcast that there were a couple men from our show who I asked the principal, can I bring them to the class to talk about the filling? And she said, yes, that would be a great idea. So this cantor told me um, he in, he invited he was one who invited them in and escorted them to the classroom and presented them. And he said to the class, many of us look at Judaism at restrictions, but he says a lot of people don't look at these restrictions at all as restrictions. They look at them as being very spiritually fulfilling and now we're going to hear from some people who find these what others think of as restrictions find these find them to be spiritually fulfilling and that's how he introduced them later on the this cantor told me that um he had several friends that become balichuva so he's quite you know it's quite familiar with the whole you know the process so i have a question But but the thing is that there's a spirituality too if you if you're looking for a religious experiment experience, not only will you get that religious experience, you're going to get the spirituality that's going to come along with that. And the only way to get that spirituality is to do, like you said, plug the correct wire in the right receptacle. Yeah. If you want to get the electricity flowing correctly. My, my, so I have another question then. Um, when you weren't religious, did you want to do certain things? And now looking back, realize like good, like good heart, good intentions, but just wrong or or not good execution. Like I know you were an atheist Jew, but was there anything else you were like, oh, I want to like say to him, and you didn't say the right to him or something? I know that sounds oh, yeah. ridiculous, but like what? Oh my goodness, yeah, yeah. But what the funny thing is, when I look back at my life, there were several points in my life where I could have been religious had the right people come along and directed me. Mm-hmm. I didn't have the right people in my life to direct me. Because I remember there was one time that I actually said to my mother, I think it was like around 14 or so, I said to my mother, you know, I said, the Christians have missionaries that go out and try to, you know, bring people close to Christianity. Why don't we Jews have the same thing? And my mother, not knowing anything about Chabad, said, there's no such thing. And then I started to read all these articles about how Orthodox Judaism, Judaism in general, is starting to go away by the wayside. And, you know, it's an old religion that has no relevance. And I started to read these articles and I thought, well, if that's what's happening, I don't want to be left behind. 
the times. You know? So um, there was also like a series of events and things that, you know, like, you know, we're, we're not, I thought to myself, you know, hey, we're not religious. We keep, we eat out in trade restaurants, but we don't have trade in the house. Now this is ridiculous, you know, type thing. But there was, when I was in Israel, it turned, it happened to be Rosh Chodesh. When I actually started to make, when I actually wanted to make the commitment to become a religious Jew. And so I went, you know, for the Shabbos, the Shabbaton. And so they told us when we benched to bench Rosh Chodesh. I didn't know Rosh Chodesh is just one or two days. <laughs> and it didn't occur to me till two months later when I was saying Bir Kasamazon. I go, wait a minute. I've been saying Ya'alevi'yavo every time I bench for the past two months. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. I love it. Uh, by the way, adding to the whole um, religious thing, um, I just saw an article. It was talking about since the 1970s in Israel, the religious population has increased. Guess how much percent? 80%? No. Less. More. More. 90%? More. 100%? More. What? You got to 509% since the 1970s. Wow. Oh my yep. gosh, that's amazing. That's yep. absolutely amazing. Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, first off, and I tell this to people all the time, and I saw like some articles and some, uh -huh. and some like memes pointing it out, and people were like making fun of it, but I'm like, this is very true. Um, you have the Haredi people where they start having kids at 18, and mm -hmm. then they have kids that don't, they have like 10 kids, and each of those kids start having kids at 18. Mm -hmm. So like by like four within forty years. How about starting to have ten kids when you're twenty eight? Twenty eight, exactly. <laughs> um, you know, and then like you have on the on the flip side, people that aren't religious only having one or two kids, maybe some of them mm -hmm. not even getting married. You know, mm -hmm. some of them like just not having kids or adopting or anything like that. So it's just a natural progression where one side's going to keep on getting bigger and the other side's keep on getting smaller. It's it's mm -hmm. just a population mathematics where it's like you're going to have more people on this side, which will create more voting power, which kind of create more, you know, in in, uh -huh. in the in, in um in the country. Uh, that's mm -hmm. what I, I think is just so funny where like people like we're talking about it. And I saw people like saying, like, oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's not true. You know, like, do you not know basic, simple mathematics? Like in order to have a proper like in order to for for one person to feel like they actually contribute to the population growth they need to have three children because one and one okay right. has Just two from mom and dad right all you're doing is replacing and yes. to, to increase you just need three and Ooh. that's it and people like it's it's just so funny people are so up in their heads with all their emotional drama and all their emotional anger and frustration they don't realize how much is just ridiculous and pointless you know, I used to listen in the 80s and 90s to, you know, the, the um, talk, the uh, psychology talk shows. Yes. And people would call up these talk show psychologists with the stupidest, idiotic, you know, problems. And I remember one time listening to all these crazy people and just one time I yelled into the radio, you're bored? Get married and have a bunch of kids. You won't be bored. 
Yeah, but they don't want to have that. They don't want that. That's the They'd truth. They'd rather be bored. <laughs> They'd rather They'd be bored, bored because it's too stupid problems. Well, because it's too scary to have children. People people go on these like tirades and these talks and all this fear because they don't. They feel like having a kid is going to take away from them. And if that's how they feel, then great. They shouldn't have kids because they'd probably well, be a the terrible thing, parent. The thing is, but the thing is that a lot of times, like, well, I remember, of course, as a teenager and in my early 20s, you know, as a college student, you know, I didn't want to have kids. Of course, you know, I, I was too busy having fun. What, what, what teenager or person in their early 20s really wants to saddle themselves with a kid? But then as I got older, um, it's like, yeah, your freedom is restricted, but you know something, what you, what you, it's like an exchange. It's like an exchange. Yes, you do give up a certain amount of freedom, but what you get back is so much more. Like I remember after I had your, your older sister. Yeah. It was, oh, wow. I, I, I love this. I remember calling my mother and saying, Ma, I just love, you know, I just love this baby so much. I said, I want to have another right away. And my mother said to me, uh, let's not be so hasty. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like, wow. It was, you know, I, I couldn't believe that having kids could be could be so much fun. I, I think people people are 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 seeing it as like a drain on their finances, a drain on their energy. You know, they see how much their parents complain, they see how much they I would hard they had to work with you know based off of the incompetency of their parents they don't want to have that they also do this excuse i love hearing it the world's so terrible i don't want to bring kids into such a terrible world it's like okay so what are you doing to make it better like right. if that's if that's really what you feel so do you volunteer on the weekends do you donate mm -hmm. your money to like various causes like if you if you're passionate about that really passionate about it mm -hmm. like like you might have a case there but the question is are you really doing like that yeah but the thing to do then is to have children and raise them to be very good people. And now you can treat you are you are helping to make the world better because now you're producing a next generation of good, moral, kind individuals. And that's the thing. That's the most effective thing that you could do. No, I agree. I agree. But um, I mean, DeSantis said something very meaningful a few months ago. Um, he said, uh, he, he said, he said, we not all of us are born under the most ideal of circumstances, but as human beings, don't we have the right to at least have a chance? Interesting. Um, and the reason he said that was because he appointed, you heard about him. He appointed the first Hispanic I really, woman. Again, I, I, I don't want to talk about politics, Yuma, please. This is what I talked about okay. in the beginning of All our right. conversation. Right, so we went our podcast. <laughs> I literally <laughs> said, please, circle. no politics. I want politics off the uh, off the table. And you said, yes, you got mad at me. You said okay, it was all my I fault. And then you the did one, it anyways. Listen, and you're going to go back again. Quiet, quiet. About. Look, let me explain myself. I was just quoting him because I thought that what he said was so meaningful. And that's it. I'm not getting involved in politics. I'm You're just right. saying that I, right. I thought this You're was a right. very meaningful quote. Okay. It's I, like quoting Abraham Lincoln or George Washington. If, I, if Abraham Lincoln or George Washington said something that was very meaningful, would you say, hey, you're getting involved in politics? No, I'm quoting somebody that I thought Because those was politics are dead, Eva. Because those politics are dead. I, I have a quote for you. 
do not compare yourself to others. If you do so, you are insulting yourself. Oh, I like that. Where'd you get that? Adolf Hitler. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So maybe, maybe just making a quote or whatnot. Look, I, I really, oh, that's would, horrible, man. I would really have you not making you, quotes oh, and talking you, about you, politics. It would, you I would really appreciate me it. into that. Sucker, you in for what? You suckered me into that quote to saying how I like that quote. <laughs> Look, it is what it is. The point, the point I'm trying to make what, what, is what like, they, say, they say what they say. A broken, a broken clock is white is right twice a day. <laughs> it's just, it's just silly. It's just silly. It's just like I would rather not have that. It's not just because I'm. I don't want to alienate listeners. It's also the fact that, like, I don't think it's productive. It's just right now in this climate, there's no point of talking about politics. I'm not talking about politics. Okay. All right. Great. Fantastic. I'm. I'm really glad. So, continuing on our conversation, um, gut feelings. Let's talk uh, about respect for parents. Respect for parents. Great. <laughs> I'm not yelling at your mother. I didn't yell. I didn't raise my voice at all. I was making a statement that made you uncomfortable and therefore you lashed out on me and tried to, you know, gaslight me and make me look like the bad guy. So you feel like victimization is the form of, you know, righteousness, which I don't think is really. Oh, I like that. I'm going to put that on a bumper sticker. Victimization is a form of righteousness. I love that. Let's, let's make a bumper sticker of that. You, you might, how about you do it? You had the, I, I had the quote, you have the idea. It's all you. I'm not stopping you. Um, any any last words about about following your gut? No, except um, I'd like to eat my dinner so I can feed my gut. Ah ha ha! Waka 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 waka. Um, well, thank you so much, Ima. Um, have a wonderful Shabbos. You too. Um, good Shabbos. Last word for the podcast. I love you. That's it. All right. Love you too. <laughs> bye bye. Thank you for listening to Jewish Boy Calls His Mother. Please send us feedback and comments on our Facebook page and like and subscribe on YouTube. I know I would like it, and my mother would too.